Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations podcast. We've got another great episode for you this week, and we're kind of staying in the spirits world, and it's more ways than one this week, uh, as we have a great guest for you. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can see her. If you're listening, you'll just have to wait a second. Uh, don't forget to check out our show partner, Knows Your Bourbon. Uh, it's a great kit. If you've ever just really wanted to know how people get those nuances, those aromas of, of bourbon and whiskey, Try their original bourbon nosing kit. It features 18 of the most commonly found aromas. Uh, you will feel like you know what you're talking about because you can actually smell those aromas, smell the bourbon, and, and see what you're, you're getting. Check them out at noseyourbourbon.com for the nosing kit. They have an expansion kit now, too. They have a whole bunch of other goodies, and that's nose, like your nose, N-O-S-E, your bourbon. Dot com And they're also on social media as well. He does a lot of fun videos. Don't forget to check us out on social media as well, at Hobspirits, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, but we're here to talk spirits on the on the Hops and Spirits podcast this week, and we're joined by Bridget Taylor, founder of Herodin Vodka. Bridget, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you. And, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when I was reading up about you, you know, because some of the questions I don't want to get into it just yet, but I mean, you have a cool story. So I guess uh, without getting too deep into it, because I, I know you just launched Herodin Vodka not too long ago uh, while in school and during a pandemic. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, just so people get to know who you are. Yeah. All right. So, yep. Bridget Taylor, founder, CEO of, of Herodin Vodka. And a little bit about me. I am relatively new to the spirits world, actually. So Herodin, we've been on shelves for about a year, but I really started getting interested in spirits in April of 2020. And before that, I actually came from from first finance and then retail and fashion. And so I kind of am approaching the industry a little bit from a fashion angle where, you know, clothes and styles change every season and... That is something that is fundamental to the industry. And so I know we'll get into this a little later, but it's tying into some of the limited edition themes that that Herodin is doing as we continue to mature as a brand. Well, I, I love to hear that. And there, there are some good ones. And that's why I said, you know, we're talking spirits in, in more ways than one this week. But I also just love the, the story of Herodin Vodka, even the name. I mean, the name, the name uh, literally what translates, you know, to bossy, belligerent old woman, which clearly I don't believe you're a bossy old woman. Uh, so how did you come up with that? And, and how did the, does that fit? Well, it's funny. My team and I, we want to get T-shirts that say, well, not all of us are old yet, uh, <laughs> but bossy, belligerent, stubborn, all of the above apply. Uh, so the way the name came about, so it's... April 2020, and I have this newfound dream of starting a, a vodka company. And what, what I really started to get fixated on was that there weren't that many women in the spirit space, or at least female founders. And so I wanted the name of the vodka to be an ode to feminism and kind of rebalancing that scale in the spirits industry. And so the original name, I wanted it to be Widow. And the reason for that is, is that I was inspired by my grandmother. Uh, my grandfather passed away when my grandma was around 70. And then my grandma proceeded to live until 100. So she had this incredible second chapter of her life that after the sad passing of my grandpa, she just had this really fascinating independent era. 
And so inspired by that, I wanted to call it Widow. However, I'm sure we're all thinking right now, or anyone who started a brand is like, trademark sounds a little iffy on Widow. And so, I mean, there's other alcohol brands that have the word Widow in them. There's Marvel movies that have the word Widow in them. So about two months in, I was like, Widow isn't going to work and I'm going to get sued. (laughs) So then I just started doing a ton of Googling on, all right, what are some other underutilized or you know, misinterpreted female-centric words in the thesaurus. And I started Googling synonyms for the word hag. For, I don't know, for whatever reason. I was down a Google rabbit hole. And then Harridan kept coming up. And I was like, I've never heard of this word. And then when I looked it up and it meant bossy, belligerent woman, I was like, done, that's it. And then there were no trademark issues. So it just felt like a sign from the cosmos. And so now... Now I can't imagine calling it anything else. I'm like, oh, I say widow, and I'm like, that sounds so unnatural. Harriden is just perfect for what for what the brand is. Well, it is it is unique, and I just love also the the rabbit hole. I mean, I, I go down that sometimes when I'm looking for <laughs> for different things for the show or, or some of the other things that that I work on, and and it's fun because you never know where it's going to end up. Exactly. And, and you know, too, with how you did the vodka, you know, you ended up working uh, with uh, Meyer Farm and Joe Meyer. How did you, was that another rabbit hole where you just, you know, stumbled upon someone, you know, doing a Google search or, or did you have a little bit uh, more help in terms of finding who to create the vodka or help you guys create the vodka? That's a great question. And now I'm realizing Harriden is really founded on rabbit holes. So <laughs> the answer is yes, it was another Google rabbit hole. I knew what I wanted and I wanted it to be a New York state distillery and I wanted to use local New York ingredients. I love the state of New York and I wanted to support the New York state economy, farmers, anything, anything that I could when I was starting Harriden. And so I just started Googling New York state distilleries and I went around and I tried a lot of vodka at all these different places. And then I went to Meyer Farm and Meyer Farm, when I spoke with them, they were like, we've never worked with a private client before. They were like, we only make our own stuff and we don't know if we'd be interested in this. But then I went to meet Joe, uh, the master distiller of Meyer Farm. I tried his vodka and I was like, oh my God, this is the best vodka I've ever had. And then we just totally hit it off. And I was describing to him the vision of Harriden that I was like, I'm looking to create a new type of female founded vodka. I want it to taste different. I want it to look different than what women are typically targeted with. And he was so on board. He was like, I see this with you. Let's do this. And he really, really believed in me and he really believed in Harriden. And he's been an absolutely fantastic partner and makes spectacular booze. <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a key a, a, as well. But you mentioned <laughs> sourcing, you know, locally or regionally or, you know, statewide. Why, why is that so important to you? I mean, I know you love the state, but obviously that does come with challenges because, um, you know, they're just you in a sense limit yourself but in the other sense is you're you're helping kind of support local too so yeah and i guess so my my first mentality was i want to support local because this is just my surrounding area and i, I just liked that ingredient story and this is no you know disrespect like farmers in iowa they make great corn too it's just for me i was like i want to keep it to new york because i want it to be new york product because i like i consider myself a new yorker 
And, but Meyer Farm actually made it very, very easy because they do field to flask production. So they actually grow all their own ingredients. And so when I signed on with Joe, the ingredient story was already there. He was like, we grow all of our own organic corn on the property. And so he made it, he made it very easy and an even more, I think like compelling and beautiful ingredient story than if I had just chosen a random farm in New York. I was going to say, and, and now you literally know who it's coming from and, you know, basically get to see it, uh, you know, from, from seed to, to the end. Uh, you know, when I, when you talk about wanting something different, one thing that's really different is when people think of vodka, typically it's, you know, 80 proof or lower because it's been flavored. It's been all sorts of randomness to it uh, because that's just kind of how vodka has evolved over time you went a different way and went up to 88 proof you know overproofed it to the point you even wanted to, to be sipped uh, how, how did that come through and was there any weird feedback when you're talking to people about wanting something like that yeah th- it was it was an accident so initially <laughs> yeah initially i was like 80 proof vodka and, the, and really the uniqueness is, of harridan is going to come from its name its brand and being from new york state but then as I'm trying all of these vodkas, I'm working with Joe on a recipe because his his original vodka was wheat-based and I wanted mine to be corn-based. And so he sent me all of these different samples of corn vodka. And after doing blind taste tests, there was this one that stood out and I was like, Joe, like this is amazing. Like this is unbelievable. Tell me more about this. And he was like, oh, oops, it was actually 90 proof. Like it actually will probably be even smoother if we dilute it down to 80 proof. And I was like, no, like we shouldn't mess with this. This is so, this is so differentiated. Not that there aren't overproof vodkas out there, but like when you try Harridan, it, 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 it has almost a complex tasting experience because of that overproof nature. So I was like, let's not mess with this and let's make this our recipe. And so what that overproof nature does, I met, I mentioned the complex tasting experience, but like it adds these, these layers of flavor as you, as you sip it. So your first sip, you're going to get a little bit more of a, you know, the stronger the stronger, maybe a little like citrus forward, I guess, when it first hits your mouth. But then the aftertaste is so smooth and you get this vanilla, this vanilla aftertaste. And so when you try it by itself, you're like, this would be wasted in a Moscow Mule or in a Bloody Mary or something where you can kind of put anything in there and it just... Yeah, 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 it'll taste good. And the underlying alcohol isn't meant to be the star of the show. But when you have Harridan, you're like, hold on, this this drinks much more like a bourbon or a tequila than it does a vodka. And the last thing I'll say about that is that I actually, before I started Harridan, was more of a bourbon or a tequila drinker. Those were my preferred spirits. But when I was when I was considering launching a spirit, I was like, I don't want to launch a bourbon or a whiskey because honestly. That was intimidating. I was like, I want to go toe-to-toe with like a bourbon connoisseur. And then with tequila, I was like, I don't have any affiliation in Mexico. I don't speak Spanish. It just did not also really, really did not feel like a good fit. So then I was like, why don't I try bringing 
the elements that I love from the flavor experience of tequila and whiskey to vodka. And that also fueled a lot of the recipe inspiration. Like we wanted it to be sipped and enjoyed neat or in a martini. So no, I, I, no, I, I love that. And I mean, was it to me, I've had a few vodkas that when you taste it, you, you know, you're when you think vodka, you're just thinking burn. Yep. Let's be honest. If, if you're not mixing it with something, it's just going to be yeah. a burn. And yep. when you have something different, it's almost, you know, you go, whoa. And, and is that the moment you had that? Or, I mean, and also when you're, you're doing all these tastings, I mean, how, how much fun was that? To, one. But two, I mean, were you finding different flavors and then boom, that one hit? Or was it just, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing that you really loved and then you found that one? That's such a good question. And... I guess the having all these blind taste tests added as much fun as you could have in the heat of the pandemic where you were so stressed out. And it was like, let's do another vodka tasting with my housemates at the time. So I would say my 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 flavor discovery process was first I was like, all right, I need to decide which base I like the best. So I bought the most popular vodka brands of potato, of corn, of wheat, of rye, of grape. And I did a blind taste test with them all. And I had, I had friends over in the pandemic, but we were all part of a pod. It was safe, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so we all voted on which ones we liked the best. I consistently liked corn. So that's how we settled on corn as the main ingredient. And then when it came down to the blind taste test later, so trying different types of corn vodka, I, and I would benchmark it against Grey Goose. And I would benchmark it against Tito's. And those two, Tito's and Grey Goose, this probably sounds bad, but like I truly could not tell the difference. <laughs> they tasted the exact same. And Herodin, by being overproof, and it's filter, it's not filtered through activated charcoal, so it has a bit of a nose in, I think, a positive way. And it's only distilled three times. It tasted so fundamentally different that a blind taste test was useless. Like you just, you smelled it. And, and again, in a good way, you were like, this is Herodin. And I know it's not the other two because the other two don't smell like anything. And it was the same thing. You have a sip and you're like, no brainer. I know exactly which one this is. And I will say I do, I, the smell and the distinct taste is very helpful at bars and restaurants where I now order Herodin because there have been more than one times where I've ordered Herodin on the rocks and they have not, they have given me a different vodka on the rocks. And I've been like, not to be an asshole, but like, this is not I, the vodka that I wanted. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, sorry you can't swear on this. Oops, but. No, you're good. Hey, we talk about vodka and alcohol. I mean, it's, it's 21 and over. So I, but no, I mean, you're the, Perfect. you're the one that created it. And I mean, heaven forbid that you ask for it and they don't bring you the right. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, I know this is a different corn based vodka and send it back. And I've, I've gotten a free dessert out of that the two times that it's happened, but yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I love that. And it, it just, that, that's a funny story that you can al always share. Uh, you, you know, you talk about being creative, that fashion side uh, is kind of where I'm probably thinking of on this next question, because uh, the bottle, it's hand blown, made from recycled glass. How important was kind of doing the recycled hand blown? Because hand blown obviously is kind of almost always going to be unique because it's, it's, you know, it's close, but, you know, it, it's not like completely manufactured. Um, so how, how important was that? And then coming up with the design for everything? 
Yeah, so I would say the inspiration of the glass came from Patron and it came from High West. And these are two brands that I am obsessed with. Like they've both just absolutely crushed their categories and tying back into I love bourbon and I love tequila. And I was like, why doesn't vodka have these cool bottles that, you know, bourbon and tequila get? So I was on a hunt to find this bubble class, which is a technical term I've learned. Uh, And so when I was hunting, 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 being like, who will make this bubble glass? It turns out that a that many producers of that bubble glass make it from recycled glass. So I was like, this is fantastic that I both, you know, am being sustainable by using, by reusing ingredients. And then I'm also getting the exact aesthetic that I wanted. It just felt perfect. And then in terms of the the rest of the design, you know, tying into inspirations that I have from bourbon and tequila brands that I like, I love the Maker's Mark red wax who doesn't it's so iconic and so I was like all right what if I did a change on that and did black drippy wax you know on mine and then I the the last inspiration for for at least the label being this really thick letterpress quality is that I, I was thinking of Japanese whiskey like their labels are always on such such beautiful paper and I was like I want Harriton to be like that like I want it to demand demand the same type of luxury and prestige that you see in all these other categories that I felt like was missing in the vodka space like there isn't really a good vodka that you're excited to gift someone or that you're you know excited to open for a special occasion and that's that's what I wanted Harriton to be well, it, it's definitely unique from, from being corn-based to the overproof and then the, the unique bottle. And then you also do some fun releases a, as well. And I, and I love this because one of the ones that, that, that you did, the, uh, the Paranormal Reserve Limited Edition bottles. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because you, you did it in three locations. One of them is the uh, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which is uh, not where I grew up, but I grew up in West Virginia. And... When we were looking for a place to get married, my wife and I, we, we drove by it and went out to a vineyard near it. Uh, didn't end up picking it, but on our way back, the funny story was, I was like, hey, we could get married there. I mean, <laughs> it, which oh they do God, they, they do, do weddings there is what we found out, That's but we decided incredible. not to. Uh, but, but can you talk about having fun with the, this type of release? Because I know it's uh, coming out uh, you know, soon or, or it's out now. Very limited edition. I think, what, 60 bottles or, or so. Um, how, how did you come up with this? How did you pick the places and just how much fun is it? Oh my goodness. So we launched last night and so it has been an insane 24 hours. Uh, the short story is we, we sold out in within 12 hours of launching. <laughs> it was crazy. So the, the inspiration was we are working with this incredible creative agency, a shout to them in house. They're brand new and we're their first client. And so we, our brand, it's very rooted in mysticism and I guess, you know, witchiness because I've always been fascinated by by the history of of witches and this insane, insane persecution of women that happened that was mainstream and accepted. It was just it's absolutely insane to me. And so that that history is largely fueling a lot of the brand, the brand aesthetic. And so when we were identifying 
after launching Harriden, okay, what are our times of the year that we're really going to invest in marketing efforts and activations? Like what's going to be our Christmas? Because we're not choosing Christmas as like our brand holiday. (laughs) And we were like, it has to be Halloween because the brand fundamentally has these like spooky, witchy undertones. And so we're working with this creative agency on wanting to go all out for Halloween. I'm a scary movie fanatic. And so they just came, they came to us with this idea of being like, what if we stored these bottles in haunted houses? And then it just started to come together where we were like, let's age them. And, you know, let's we, originally it was just going to be overnight. And we were like, let's do it for a week. And how we chose the places was more Google rabbit holes. We were like, what are some of the most haunted places in America? And so Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is always a top hit as one of the most haunted, creepy places in America. Same with Villisca Axe, the Villisca Axe Murder House, which was our second location. And then the third location is the house that inspired the movie The Conjuring, which, have you seen that movie? I have not. Uh, I'm not a big scary movie guy, so... Eh. <laughs> Do not watch it. <laughs> it is. I love scary movies. That movie, I was truly, truly petrified. And and all of these places, like they have, uh, like people, humans work at these places. And so they have email addresses and we reached out to them and we pitched them this idea. And of, of course, we, we offered to pay everyone, which was an additional enticing factor for each of these, each of these locations. But everyone was like, how fun. Of course, we'll... Ooh, that's actually really spooky. A light just turned on by itself <laughs> in my apartment, and I actually still have conjuring a couple of conjuring bottles in here. So that is scary. Hey, it's spirits. Hey. You never know. <laughs> Ooh, um, but uh, uh, anyways, everyone was really excited to work with us, and um, I totally lost my train of thought after being kind of alarmed by that light turning on by itself. But I mean, I mean, you know, like when you so they were a OK to just be like, yeah, let's store them here. Because how long did you end up storing them at, at the locations? So we stored them for a week at each of the locations. And we definitely didn't want to be in the way, which is one of the reasons that the bottles were so limited edition in nature, because the way we pitched to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, we were like, it's just one box. It's one box. You can stick it in the corner of the room People won't notice it. It'll be fine. And most, like, all three of the places had so much fun with it. The Lunatic Asylum got back to us and they were like, we'll age it in the lobotomy room, which, of course, like devastating things happen in that lobotomy room. So putting that aside. Um, but we were like, well, fantastic. Thank you so much for offering the most one of the most haunted rooms of, of your property to supporting our idea. And then with the Conjuring House, they were so wonderful. They let us come for the day and do a huge photo shoot there. And there is this well at the Conjuring House that apparently is demonic, as in a a demon lives down there. And one of the owners of the house was like, you got to lower it into the well. Like how, you know, how can it be haunted if you don't lower it into the well? So we have all this footage of us like, you know, dropping these bottle or not, we're not like baptizing them in a, I guess, <laughs> demonic way. We're, we're lowering this crate into this well. So it was such a fun experience. And the last shout out that I'll give the third house, um, the Villisca Axe Murder House, the own or the, the 
operator of the property, I guess is a household name in the paranormal world. And he got so into it, he took our case of bottles, placed it on a Ouija board, and then placed it in the haunted, most haunted room of the house so that there could be a portal to the spirits. And so anyways, we, we had this awesome marketing plan that we devised that we were going to have daily Instagram posts for a week. We were going to do boosted TikToks and do Instagram ads. Then And then we sold out in 12 hours. And so now we had this whole plan for a week of activity. And now we're, we're totally out of product, um, which is a good problem to have, I guess. But just insane how quickly we sold out. Well, it means it was a great idea. And, and uh, you know, is, is that something you're going to look at doing again? I mean, what, what, what's the thought process there in terms of having fun with those types of, of releases? Yeah, we're definitely going to do it again. And we've already started brainstorming, like, how could we take this to even a higher level next year? Because clearly we need to do more bottles. We did not meet demand. But then how can we have fun with additional places and, you know, new haunted characters? So we're definitely going to do it again. And then the other big season that we want to focus on is Midsummer, which is another fun, witchy time that we'll be able to explore with the brand. So stay tuned for that in the spring. <laughs> hey, I, I love those teases. That's always great. Um, you, you, you talked earlier about, you know, this kind of came together during the, the beginning of the pandemic. You know, you obviously quarantining, things like that. How was it launching at Vodka during all this? And also, am I correct that you were finishing up business school as well on top of it? <laughs> yes. So I was finishing up business school. And I mean, I was one of the OG Zoom <laughs> Zoom graduates. And so, I mean, in, in April 2020, all, with all classes moving to Zoom, it's different than if you have a, you know, a nine to five job where you're like, I need to figure out how to do this because I'm making money. This was like, my professors are all over the age of 60. They're still figuring out Zoom. And so we suddenly had, or by we, I suddenly had all this time on my hands. So I was like, how can I make this time valuable? And more so, the job offer that I was supposed to start right after business school was delayed by eight months and wasn't going to start until 2021. And so I was like, wonderful, I'm going to have the the rest of the year being unemployed with student debt. And it's not like anyone's hiring an intern that I can be in the meantime, because everywhere had hiring freezes. And so that's when it started to be like, all right, why don't I, I try starting my own business. And if I'm going to do that route, what is really interesting me right now? And then that's when I was like, well, I'm really into cocktails. And I'm starting to notice a gap in female founded spirits and the way that brands communicate to to women in the marketplace. So that could be something that's interesting. And then once I started exploring the, the spirits industry, I'm sure you had this exact same fever. I was like, this is the best industry. How did I not join this earlier? And I became totally obsessed and love it. Well, and it's always interesting how, how folks get into it and then their, their journey through it because, you know, the bourbon, anytime I've talked to anyone launching a bourbon, it's like how long it takes to get the process going, you know, two, three years of just getting yeah. licensed and everything. And then all the different laws to get in stores and, and so forth in different states. You know, did how was it getting your brand into, into stores? 
uh, with kind of the themes that you had? I mean, were you getting pushback uh, or, or was it an easygoing thing? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. It was definitely not easy in the beginning because also we launched in December, which now I appreciate no liquor store buyers are looking to take on new brands in December because they're all just trying to get through the holidays and and move through that inventory. And so what my strategy was, was I was like, I wanted to go into just local liquor stores that are in my neighborhood and just be like, please, will you <laughs> support me and buy one six pack? And, and what I offered, I was like, I guarantee you'll sell out in a week. And immediately afterwards, I would like text my friends saying like, you have to go to see Grape Wine <laughs> because I promised them they would sell out. And so these stores, they they wound up taking a, taking a chance on me, whether because they felt bad for me, I refused to leave, or because they actually were like, all right, if she promises that she'll sell out, we'll, we'll give her a shot. And they all, the by random, like seven stores that we launched in wound up being such good partners. All of them have placed multiple, multiple reorders since. So it wound up working out. But in terms of your question, did you receive pushback? I, you know, the, I mentioned the seven stores that I, I got into seven stores and off the bat, but there were several stores which were like, no, we don't want to take on your product. Some stores were like, we're not buying anything right now. But other stores were challenging me being like, women don't buy their own alcohol. So I'm, I don't, I, you know, your messaging that's like, oh, we're a new type of female founded brand doesn't mean anything to me. And which fair, fair enough, maybe that specific liquor store owner doesn't see many, very many women walking through his door. But you know, maybe he, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know. But at the time, it was pretty jarring because it started to have, I started to question being like, okay, this messaging that I have that I'm like, we are a feminist focused spirit. And it's not that we're specifically for women. We're just proud of our female heritage. And it's some, we want to celebrate heroines of history. Is that, sorry, my dog. Um, Is that something that isn't going to resonate with people? And it definitely shook my confidence in the beginning, but anyone who's founded anything before always has you 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 understand like anyone who's founded anything you always have those moments where you're like oh shoot is you know is this a good idea or am i just pursuing something that's you know a false dream but you just kind of keep going and and see if it pans out. So that's kind of where where I am now. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, and, and obviously it seems to be working working pretty well. And it, and it's always interesting too because you you'll hear some folks men- mention that, and and then you, you actually if you dive into the industry, you start to realize that's not quite the case. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe there might be a reason someone doesn't uh, want to go into your your store or, or whatever. Um, you know, you talked about as well getting into kind of the cocktails, the mixology side of things. What what are some of your favorite cocktails, and, and is it do, do you have a wide variety because you like you know bourbon and whiskey, tequila, vodka? I mean, so do you have like one of each, or or is it just kind of whatever you're feeling at the at the moment? What 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 are some of your go to cocktails? So I would say if I'm not drinking Harridan on the rocks with a slice of lemon, which is my preferred way to drink Harridan, or a Harridan dirty martini, which is my second preferred way to drink Harridan, I love bourbon old fashions love them if I'm if I'm ever heritoned out and I'm like I've had a heritoned drink every day for the past 14 days and I 
want to mix it up, I always go for an old fashioned. And and at this point, my apartment, we're pretty well equipped to have all sorts of varieties of old fashioned. So we've got really into infusing bourbon with mm. peanuts and with bacon fat was one that was really fun to infuse with. And then I also have a, a smoker as well. So I like to make smoked old fashions too. So those are my favorites. I will say I also, during the pandemic, like many of your listeners probably got really into mixology via Instagram. So while other people were baking banana bread and sourdough, which I did those things too, but I got really, really into finding the most complicated cocktail recipes I could find just to stay busy. Well, hey, that's, I I have, you know, dove deep into the the cocktail world and it's kind of fun what you you come up with. And it's a good way to kind of introduce people to, uh, to, to liquors if they're not used to them. And, and because we're talking about, you know, fun stuff, Halloween, things like that. I know you guys have some fun Halloween cocktail ideas. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. Okay. So my favorite one is a riff on this cocktail influencer who I love. His name or his handle is Ebby Dranks. He makes the best stuff. And he's also a friend of Harridan, which is nice. But he has this drink that's called a Hawaiian Long Island. And it is a a secondary riff on a Long Island iced tea, but made with pineapple juice. And so it has gin, tequila, mezcal, rum, and vodka in it. So I make it with Harridan, of course, but it also has all of these other alcohols in it. And then what we do that's different from his recipe is that he puts in Cointreau, and then we put in blue curacao, I always wonder if I say that right, but that's what we put into it. And then, so it makes it blue, which looks really fun. Serve it in a beaker, which you can buy off of Amazon. So for like 50 cents, very easy, or get a set of eight for like a couple bucks. And then you put dry ice in it and it looks like a blue mad scientist potion. Really, really fun. Very, very potent. So whenever... I've had people over for this. I always make it the opening cocktail so that people can like get a little buzzed really fast and then just feel more comfortable. And then the other cocktail that I have is a little bit more straightforward. So just espresso martini, but then if you put whipped cream on top and you smooth it over, it makes this great layer that then you can sprinkle Oreos on or Oreo crumbs. And then what I've done in the past is I've made a little, a, like a little grave cross out of craft paper, and then you can stick it in the whipped cream, and so it looks like a gravestone. Also, very, very fun to serve at Halloween parties, or if you just want a random Halloween cocktail. <laughs> I, I love that, and, and those are both very easy to to, to pull off in, in the grand scheme of of, of cocktails and and fun, perfect for the, the Halloween parties that I'm sure everyone's going to be having. And, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, you, you're in some local stores. Where can people find Harridan Vodka nowadays? Yes. So the best place to find the closest store to you would be our website. So if you click on store on there and then you type in your state, we'll pop up whatever 
delivery method would be best to get Harridan to your doorstep. And we ship everywhere through one of the retailers that will pop up on our website, except for Mississippi and Utah. So all the other 49 states, we've got you covered. And then just other places, if your listeners are curious, if you're in New York City, you can get us on Drizzly. And, or at this point now, Uber Eats, which I understand acquired them. And then, uh, and Reserve Bar. We deliver to 12 states via Reserve Bar as well. But the best place, you can get all this information if you go to our website and click on store. Well, and, and, and it's so cool to see to see the, the wide availability because that, that is always kind of hard too when, when you're still a young company. So, you know, with that said, you know, what's next for, for you? You know, are you any more brand releases coming up. I know you mentioned summertime, so keep a lookout for that. And then, you know, what's, what's next for Harridan just in general? I think our top priority right now is just being in more states. And you mentioned this before you just, every state has different regulations, right? So it's like you can, you have to expand on a state by state basis. And so we are readily available in New York city but if you are in any other state, we sh- will ship to you and you'll, you can get us pretty quickly. But we aren't in that many restaurants and we aren't in that many liquor stores outside of New York City. And so what I would say is, is next for us is like we want to be in your neighborhood liquor store and become your go-to vodka that way. With that said, along the way, we want to keep everyone on their toes by coming out with continuous limited editions, you know, the same way that in the fashion world, you come out with limited edition this or seasonal that we, we want to be the same way and make sure we're always injecting newness either into the way that our brand looks or feels or even tastes. So all no, on the I, I was gonna say, I, I love that, that strategy, especially the limited release, because you see a lot of that in the bourbon world. Um, maybe a little bit in Mescal, not so much in all the others. So it's kind of neat to see that kind of being a little more, uh, maybe a, a new thing in the vodka world for, for, for some folks. And, and uh, I just love that idea. I, oh my gosh, I totally agree. And I love collecting limited edition bourbons. And there are so many, yeah, there are so many bourbons and whiskeys that do it so, so well. And they come out with these little micro drops and people go crazy over them, rightfully so. Like, they're so special. And so if we can do a fraction of how well that whiskey has done it, we would be very happy with ourselves. Well, it sound, sounds like you guys have, have a good start, good plan. And, and I, I love everything that you guys are doing. Remember, you can find us at Hop Spirits. Uh, at Hop Spirits on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, hopspirits.com. Check out all of our Give It a Try highlights, our cocktail quickie videos, and so much more, including our Friday 5 Q&A as well. Bridget, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about Harridan yourself. And, and just, uh, you know, perfect for the, ho- the holiday, the Halloween holiday, uh, a little bit on the spirits side in more ways than one. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, we're at Harridan.com. You can follow us at Harridan Vodka on Instagram. And yeah, we hope you'll try us out.